And I'm sometimes very itchy about saying digital art, sometimes saying new media art. I think everything is at the end an artistic outcome, right? Um, it's, it's based on like the creators, I think vision and expectation. Das ist der Telekom Electronic Beats Podcast, der Podcast rund um Nachtleben und Clubkultur. Wir sprechen mit DJs, Türstehern, Tänzern, Clubbetreibern und anderen Nachtmenschen. Mein Name ist Gesine Kühne und ich bin Jakob Töne. Herzlich willkommen beim Electronic Beats Podcast. Welcome to the Telecom Electronic Beats Podcast. My name is Chloe Lula, and today I'm filling in for Jakob and Jazina. I had the great privilege of speaking with Refik Anadol, a Turkish-American new media artist and designer who teaches new media arts at UCLA and heads the Refik Anadol Studio. He uses machine learning algorithms to process large volumes of digital data and turns them into immersive AV artworks, the latest of which, Machine Hallucinations, Nature Dreams, just premiered at Kuni Gallery in Berlin to explore our collective visual experience of nature. I spoke to Anadol right after the opening. He called me from the gallery where there was a huge line of people waiting to meet him and see his work. Thank you so much for joining me. Are you in Berlin right now? Yes, I'm in Berlin Sunday afternoon, I guess. And there is amazing people waiting in the queue outside. I'm really excited to be in Berlin right now. In my birthday. <laughs> Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> thank you, uh, thank you. So are you are you at the Kuni Gallery right now? Yes, at the moment I am here. I actually last day in Berlin. So I'm doing my very best to say hi to people and meet and see and hear their feedbacks. So I do it as much as myself in the exhibitions opening days uh, to feel the, the, the reaction and the feelings. I actually had a chance to see it on Friday night and it was really incredible. So congratulations. <laughs> thank you very much. Much appreciated. This is your second solo exhibition in Germany, Correct. Machine Hallucinations. Um, so it premiered at the Koenig Gallery on Friday night. And the data paintings were also accompanied by a site-specific work entitled Winds of Berlin, mm -hmm. a generative public art projection based on real-time data collected from the city. Can you briefly describe each of these projects and how you ideated and executed yes. them? Yes. So first of all, when Johann Koenig mentioned this opportunity, The first thing that, of course, inspired me is purely the building. The building itself is a pure inspiration, the brutalist architecture from 60s. And by the way, I started my journey as a photographer uh, and especially architectural photography. So I know the building very well. And I respectfully always dream that one day AI in a church dreaming uh, is not science fiction, to be honest. Like just something like a very um, a near future experience, but an optimist one, a positive one not a dark one. The idea just started as like almost five years ago. Uh, I've been researching uh, machine learning algorithms in arts, but almost 10 years working with data as a pigment, as a sculpting uh, material. I've been uh, practicing as a media artist maybe, maybe now 13 years, uh, 2008 actually, when I very first time I was able to speculate the name of data painting. But over the years, the idea of data as a pigmentation took different forms, but this specific project is one of the most, let's say, up-to-date <laughs> edition of a research. And one more thing, I'm not alone. I'm, a, I'm working as a team of uh, wonderful people. So we are 14 people, can speak 14 language and represent 10 countries in our studio in Los Angeles, California. So the whole idea was uh, growing, as I said, five years. Uh, if a machine can learn, 
can it dream is a fundamental question in the research. 2016, uh, I was a very first generation artist in residence at Google and started learning and using generative AI algorithms. And the research is mostly focusing on collective memories, meaning data that I hope belongs to humanity, not personal, not private, but something that I hope everyone enjoys, feels connected, feel responsible and be a part of it. Nature, space, architecture, urban, and so on is my theme specifically focusing and nature dreams, which this exhibition is using 300 million raw photographic archives of nature. The exhibition is basically themed around five AI algorithm uh, using NVIDIA StyleGAN 2 ADA and inspiring generative adversarial network, a specific AI algorithm can create almost realistic outputs if you give it an enormous data sets. For example, we have 70 million photos of most likely every single flower type in the world. We have around 90 million landscapes photos from all over the world, every single national park and every remarkable landmarks that many people in the world knows, clouds, water, and so on. So the whole data sets became multiple artworks. The data paintings explores these five themes, and we also have a major scale, 10 meter by 10 meter media wall in the church, literally in that incredibly large volume of space, one monolith sculpture exploring these five themes. And finally, as you mentioned, in the exterior facade on the iconic tower, we do have a six channel projection in real time, sensing the winds of Berlin from an open source API, winds pattern, speed, gust, temperature, humidity, rain, transforming into a real time infinite artwork. The project in Koenig Gallery, Mission Station Nature Dreams also kind of started almost three years ago, 2018. And the project transformed from an inspiring, actually, story from uh, Alex Grunland, one of the most inspiring science fiction director and writer. He had a piece called Devs, uh, which was a series focusing on uh, quantum physics. But specifically, he was speculating about many worlds interpretation by Hugh Everett. So the idea was very high level, or the theory is high level is when, whenever you have a quantum uh, measurements of subatomic universe, there's a high chance that you have create a multiple universe that can happen at the same time. So basically, this was very inspiring for me as an artist. And also almost two years ago, wonderful people at Google AI quantum team, they also achieved a remarkable research with quantum computer called Quantum Advantage, and they were able to use quantum computer for the first time extremely fast, like a couple of minutes of computation in quantum computer, which would normally take a couple of thousand days with a classical computer. And this was a very remarkable scientific breakthrough. And the same group, the same group of researchers reached me for a collaboration or for like thinking together. And thanks to Hartmut Neumann and Alan Ho and Murphy New, who were like behind this research, they allow me and my team to get this data and transform that into kind of an artwork. So last year, around this time in Melbourne, we did quantum memories, which is a very similar scale uh, approach. 
which was, a, I mean, almost 200 million images back in time. But last year, we add extra 100 million images as well. So now we have 300 million images in the game. Wow. <laughs> Can you describe a little bit what that ended up looking like? So first of all, in my work, you will be always seeing this uh, white frame. It is a very interestingly, 2011, it's very funny that um, one of the idea, actually 2011, it was my very first data sculpture that I made in Istanbul. And the idea was, uh, can we put an algorithm and data into a frame? And this idea was very a kind of obsession of like a, a holding the data as a pigment, as a sculpture in this, you know, uh, physical space. But unfortunately it was too expensive and it was impossible to cover a building 40 meter by 40 meter frame. And since that rejection, I guess, <laughs> it became this digital asset. Basically all my works, right, almost 10 years is using this white frame and like kind of holding the illusions of data and the world around us. And then when you see the piece, there are approximately 200 million images transformed into this um, pigmentation, AI data painting and sculpture. In Koenig Gallery, we have a very similar experience in a much more, let's say, uh, next level of uh, computation. Uh, as you know, over the years, we have much more computational power that allows us to go beyond what can be done. And this time in Berlin, a similar concept of experience but this time, a larger data set and a much more larger amount of pigmentation, creating a different level of divine artistic experience inside this illusionary box. And in this illusionary box, the sound also perfectly aligned, thanks to Kerim Karolu. He takes the visuals and algorithmically compose on top of the movement. And I think that audio-video experience together makes that really unique, I think mentally positive meditative state when you are watching the piece. I know that the Winds of Berlin at Koenig Gallery is being offered as an NFT. Yes. And I know you've you've been pretty instrumental in pioneering this as an art form. Could you just describe what NFT art is yes. as well as what the benefits and implications are of making and collecting NFT art? Absolutely. So NFT is actually one, it's called non-fungible token, which is a mean of a smart contract feature of a certain blockchain that allows anyone basically to create a moment in blockchain and certify that specific time with a specific person. This can be an artwork, a simple file, basically any file, <laughs> then a digital file can be an NFT. But specifically people also working with digital you know, assets, creating digital artworks, that became a kind of a very meaningful connection. So simply you can take any JPEG, video file, audio file, text, or even a code, a living based art can be NFT. And there are certain blockchains, some of them are using proof of stake technology, which is remarkably less harmful for nature. There are proof of works such as Ethereum and Bitcoin, but of course, Ethereum is the one right now, the main source of, I guess, uh, activities. Uh, many people like myself is currently practicing and sharing their works. Um, what does this is basically the, the collector specifically can have connection with the artwork through blockchain can hold the custodies of the piece on their ledger. And imagine like a paper, uh, like certificate of authenticity if any artist can give to a collector. This time, this is with a digital format and written in the blockchain, and hopefully it is infinite. And for this exhibition, we created two NFT pieces. 
One is a data sculpture, which is a three editions. And one is also real-time data sculpture that is constantly changing, ever-changing NFT. So we are pioneering, I guess, another uh, generative NFT idea that I believe for collectors may be inspiring. Where do you see the future of digital art going and what will happen to traditional art forms in, in its place? I think, first of all, while there was a distinct um, expectation between digital and physical art, I do not believe anymore there will be any like a big distance between any art form, to be honest. I mean, I'm sometimes very itchy about seeing digital art, sometimes seeing new media art. I think everything is at the end an artistic outcome, right? Um, it's, it's based on like the creator's, I think, vision and expectation. My feeling is like every form of art will be appreciated. It doesn't matter physical or virtual. But we are also seeing incredible tendency that an artist working with physical mediums also transforming into like a virtual space. I think it's thanks to NFTs, I guess, it's making things more easier and accessible and the tools are becoming much more friendly for anyone actually. And the same thing for digital artists. They are like getting inspired by the physical world, artists exploring, you know, pigmentation, sculpting and so on. So I'm seeing actually very cross crossing each discipline, each other. Um, I think this can be a very actually inspiring moment in time that the worlds are colliding and the borders are becoming blurry which is, I think, very good news for humans. Where are you finding inspiration for your next projects? I mean, you, you said that you're working with quite a big team. Um, yes. I don't know if you're, are you collectively coming up with ideas or are, are you ideating things right now that you want to work on with your team? Uh, I mean, I'm very grateful to say that it's almost like a seven years with my team. We are um, researching and imagining and creating together. I feel like it's my age right now or it's our time to be, like a more purposeful and impactful for humanity. We are at the moment researching at UCLA um, and also uh, major other partners. We are trying to find a much more functional ways of using art in uh, neuroscience. 2017, I started using brain activities as a mean of data and also pigmentation. Unfortunately, my uncle diagnosed by Alzheimer's and since then I'm much more sensitive to certain disease and certain problems, and also depression, anxiety, Alzheimer, and demands. dementia is my current focus. As a studio, we are pretty much looking for how can we helpful, how our work can be a part of a, a scientific research. And additionally, working with uh, major architects in the world, which you will hear, and also next week, um, we do have a big announcement in the NFT space with a major institution, a, a museum, that I think will make a, a major impact. Uh, like constantly researching, to be honest, in across multiple disciplines and also researching on definitely climate change. While the nature topic itself is not only just for aesthetics, we do also like researching and, and understanding how can be a part of a more functional research that our still can help. I am curious, you know, you work so much with architecture. Do you feel like, you know, once you see a building that you want to work with, then you conceive of the idea or is it kind of the opposite where you have an idea you've been thinking about and then you're looking for the space to execute it in? I mean, very often the majority of the project starts with an inspiration from truly the space, meaning the architecture. Like in right now, again, in Koenig Gallery, the building is remarkably inspiring. It's just like or in Kraftwerk, the building is remarkably inspiring, or LA Phil's Frank Gehry's canvas, or Zahadid's DDP building. I think these are like very exciting spaces where I feel like when a media arts and architecture connects with mission intelligence, with AI, I find this very exciting and inspiring narratives. Like if a machine can learn, can it dream is a one question, but 
can a building dream? Can it learn? Like, can it hallucinate? Is another question. I feel like it's a very <laughs> optimist scenario that sci-fi narrative that you went to a, like a leftover, you know, a church that is have an AI inside dreaming nature to me <laughs> is a really one of like those narratives that I'm excited. What is your take on the role of artistic authorship? Since when you're setting up and nudging an algorithmic system, you're ceding control to a certain extent and taking on the role of curator more than creator? Very true. I think I totally agree with this because, I mean, first of all, I think this is a machine and human collaboration. I do not believe uh, anytime soon we will have these machines <laughs> having a consciousness problem. But I think it will be more about like, how can we interact and communicate with machines in a way that are not like designed for? Uh, and how can we like, you know, reverse engineer this relationship into a more meaningful and purposeful narratives? Uh, these are like my questions when I think about an AI or an algorithm or a, any smart system, actually. First of all, machines do not forget. <laughs> like we are, we are like in a, this very interesting situation that we have something that truly that doesn't forget, but can also remember and learn. But how can we use these technologies in a way that's different than what we have been done in the last centuries as humanity, right? And I think we are in this renaissance, literally at the moment that we are going through by the metaverse concept, NFTs and AI and, and robotics and quantum computation, eventually like other biomedical uh, breakthroughs will be a, a major, I think, inspiration for humanity. The question is, how can we use this moment meaningfully and purposefully to create a much more inspiring future for us? I find it really fascinating that the premise of these pieces at Koenig Gallery was to emulate the natural world and organic movement using algorithms and technology, which to me seem at odds with what we think of when we think of nature. Do you see more affinities than contradictions in AI's relationship to the environment? Absolutely. First of all, like any technology in the universe that we created around like our journey as humanity, we always have ramification. We, all do, we always have the chance of like creating something, unfortunately, not accepted or expected. But I think what in my journey, at least in my, let's say, artistic context and discourse of my journey, while I respectfully understanding activism and while I understand the ramification of any technology, but I do believe that we do have enough problems. And I'm just trying to find that what else can we do with these algorithms and these experiences that is different and hopefully have a much more positive narrative. For example, can we, especially after the or during the pandemic period, can we use these experiences as a kind of a digital therapeutics? Can we just go and enjoy being surrounded by potentially machine dreams? And can we in a church, literally <laughs> like a science fiction, I know narrative sounds, but can we truly enjoy one of the probably most profound and inspiring thing for humanity, which is nature and see it from the eyes of a machine? Um, I think this idea of simulation and, I mean, not philosophically only, but from, a, let's say, Philip K. Dick, <laughs> one of my heroes as a science fiction writer, um, he was saying that a simulation has no moral prejudice or meaning, like nature, it just is. So I feel like there is this interesting nuance between what a machine can feel and see and what we can do as humanity. And I love these distances and they have just incredible inspiring potentials. 
So I know that the work had a soundtrack. Um, There's a deep listening soundtrack that was created by the electronic music producers, Andre Correa and Aaron Esposito. How does music enhance your work and who's inspiring to you musically right now? So first of all, I do believe that music is where the main and deep, profound emotions comes from. Uh, and I sometimes feel that music is 50%, 60%, 70% um, where the, I guess, the feelings comes from. And the truly connecting, emerging, colliding both audio and visual senses, that's poetic serendipity is truly inspiring for me. Um, and first of all, before I create the artwork, I really do it for myself to understand if it's really like creating any emotional, any soul and mind connection. I've been working with, first of all, Kerim Karolu, a wonderful friend, more than 10 years. He started at Folkwang Academy and where we met in 2010 when I was augmenting Sana School of Design Building in Germany as well. And that project was how we met. Over the years, I, I'm giving this example, like how Christopher Nolan and Hans Zimmer works <laughs> in, in, in their like a long journey. I feel like we have a similar um, experience and we are crafting emotions over time and time and time. Uh, and of course, I do also use other people's amazing body of work to give feelings. At the end, it's an AI dreaming certain situations in life. And I'm trying to find that poetry that truly touches our mind and soul. Uh, and music is everything. And especially when you start to work with, for example, for the exhibition, we train certain neural networks with animal sounds, uh, flowers, I mean, the wind patterns in the forest and urban noises. Like when you have this body of work of life <laughs> as an input, as an instrument, I saw that Kerim is making a remarkable pieces uh, by synthesizing literally machine dreams as a sound piece. So the soundtrack was made in the same way that the that the imagery was made using neural networks. Absolutely. Absolutely. So basically what you see and what you hear is completely mission made. Wow. So speaking of music, last year you created an installation called Latent Being at Kraftwerk in Berlin, which is the former power plant above Trezor, yes. uh, which is also home to Atenal Festival. So this piece used visitors' movement patterns to generate interactive artwork. Do you see more potential to create environments that offer a dynamic perception of space within the context of nightlife and AV art? Definitely. I think, first of all, I started my journey as a, I guess, audiovisual performer because my, I think 2008, 2011, for three years, I was fortunate to like uh, create and generate audiovisual performances on the facades of the building and built environments and so on. So like, I deeply appreciate the performing culture. And actually, actually, when you watch a piece like this scale, I think it's just have a very similar patterns of, you know, narrative in performance and perform, uh, performing arts. So while the Crowdwork project, which was, I think, latent being was, again, thanks to Light Art Space LAS team, was a remarkably large scale installation. <laughs> now, the architecture was truly really inspiring. I mean, the, the space was absolutely holding this massive narrative. But to me, first of all, Berlin is a very important audience to me because of the critical voice, because of like um, selective uh, audience and, and understanding the medium very well as an audience. So I'm always very careful and always very, how can I say, uh, deeply engaged with the, with the surroundings of the artwork. But that piece was very well received. And even, by the way, right now, outside here in the, studio, here in the gallery, I'm, I'm meeting many, same, many people that who came there. 
and who really enjoyed that narrative. And I'm getting hundreds of messages, honestly, since the opening, since Friday, from the people who truly enjoy it and want to come back and still enjoying this new piece in a different narrative. So it's really very inspiring to hear and see the same audience with a similar positive reaction. How do you find the audiences in Berlin and Los Angeles to be different? I think the audience in Los Angeles, I will say, first of all, my main audience in Los Angeles is coming from the Los Angeles Philharmonic Orchestra, which was a Frank Gehry's home. 2018, uh, I was able to create most likely the world's first audiovisual performance on a media facade by using Frank Gehry's Disney Hall as a canvas and by using 100 years of data from LA Philharmonic. And we were very fortunate to use every single sound recording in the archive starting from like early 40s, like imagine every single Mahler, Stravinsky, Mozart and Beethoven and so on, like every single recording of the Philharmonic Orchestra trained by neural networks. And then we also able to create an image archive and a video archive of every single performance ever done and simply use all the memories of the building as a substance, as a, as a kind of a pigment. Uh, that project generated a very unique LA-based and audience because it was a free public art, like Kuning Gallery. So this, this piece also is a completely free and open to public, meaning there is no tickets. It's completely a public art to me that anyone can go through the door. And it's the intention, by the way, the public art is a very powerfully, I guess, sharing an idea with the public without any expectation of uh, you know financial income, but the idea of sharing, which is a different model, I know, but uh, just experimenting. And I guess in LA, that uh, public art project generated a, a unique audience to me. And 2014 with Esapeka Salonen, I performed for Amerique, also in LA field. And 2018, again, worked with Gustavo Dudamel, uh, the musical director of LA Philharmonic, and uh, Peter Sellers, wonderful opera director and LA master chorale. So I'm constantly actually working with these audiovisual performances. And right now we're also working with Esapeka again for SF Symphony. Like I'm constantly actually working with music and performing arts. So in an interview with Stir Magazine, you said that your work is about making people come together, creating communal experiences and a sense of connection for a while. Do you feel like this is more important now, you know, after the collective alienation we've experienced in COVID-19? And can you elaborate a little bit on this kind of communal approach to your artwork? Absolutely. So first of all, since my beginning as, a, as an artist, I guess, my practice, I always trust and believe that art should be for anyone, any age and any background. And for me, art was not only just a gallery museum piece, but it's for open and accessible. And especially COVID, as we all know, the pandemic make us disconnected, being surrounded by machines that are just for another like a Zoom call or whatever, or just like, you know, stay at home and just try to be connected physically to someone else around the world. I think the sense of displacement to me will be a major trauma for humanity. Even though we are just going through it, I do believe we will, unfortunately, it will have uh, marks on us, on our minds and souls. So the idea here is truly like connect the humanity one more time with arts and even like a half an hour, detaching from the reality and connecting back to something else Again, in a hopeful manner, because I do believe that we have enough problems in the world. We have enough challenges in the world. I'm not here to bring another problem. I'm not here to like say another like a challenging thinking. I'm really here to like create this sense of space where the calmness, where the like a secure peace and optimist narrative may survive. I think we do need this. 
Are there any other ways you're looking to foster communal experiences through AV performances, especially those that are adjacent to music, nightlife, and club culture? Yes, that's my honestly next year. I mean, again, hopefully everything goes well and then the world opens up again properly. And our hope is also go back to like the audio performances. We have an, I, I mean, I've been actually dreaming about uh, creating a traveling performing piece. Uh, hope to reveal it early next year as an idea. Uh, almost there. It's another pandemic project we have been generating. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing about that. Thank, thank you. Almost there. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been really great talking to you. Your work is really inspiring. So um, I'm really excited to see what you announce next year. <laughs> Deeply, thank you very much for your wonderful time and questions. Refik Anadol's Machine Hallucinations, Nature Dreams will be on view at Koenig Gallery in Kreuzberg until December 17th. You can rate us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe if you don't want to miss an episode. Das war der Telekom Electronic Beats Podcast. Abonniert den Podcast bei Apple, Soundcloud, Spotify oder Deezer. Wir sehen uns im Club. Bis dann. <lacht>